0: This is The
1: Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. During the election campaign, Guardian reporters have been speaking to people around the country who are voting for the first time. This federal election, more than 1.2 million people are first-time voters. Most of them are young people who have only become eligible to vote in the past few years.
2: Is this all your first election,
0: the first federal election you've voted? Yeah. So why are you leaning towards Labor?
1: I feel like they don't
3: like do really do like much for us. It's just like more like money and kind of things. But I think more right. Labor has some aspects that do kind of benefit the citizens.
1: And others are new citizens. This is your first election? Guys, yeah, it's going to be my
2: first election because I just recently got my citizenship. I mean, to be honest, like I still stick to with the conservative party, the liberal, because uh, that's that's what uh, has given Australia a success. Well, lots of
1: people are excited to vote and to have a say on the next parliament of Australia. Some say they feel left out of this process because there's very little policies that speak to them.
0: What kind of issues do you think matter to you? Um,
1: me- Medicare, like healthcare, like education all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What about you? I'm not really
2: sure. You never really educated on that. They just told us to vote.
1: Also, deciding who to vote for can feel confusing. Who are you going to vote for? I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm 18 now as well, so I need to vote, but I need to do my research.
2: Where do you get your information about that sort of stuff? I'd go and talk to
1: my family or something, ask them, because I have no idea about an election. So today, we're speaking to first-time voters about what they care about and breaking down some key voting questions. Today, Australia's first-time voters. It's Tuesday, the 17th of May. Hello, Danny. Hello. This is Danny. She's 18 and in her first year at university.
0: So I'm currently doing psychology, but whether or not I will stay doing psychology, I think, is a different question. So, uh,
1: Laura? Yes. yes. This is Chung. She's 40 years old and a former accountant with two kids under the age of three.
3: Yes, it's very hard. Uh, I need, I, uh, every day um, I wake up early and uh, look after them, prepare for something, and afternoon I go to school for study English and give them childcare there.
1: After migrating to Australia from Vietnam six years ago, Chung is still gaining confidence with her English. So, I spoke to her with the assistance of Sheila Pham, a journalist and researcher.
2: A sometimes
0: Guardian contributor, um, and I'm also a Bankstown local. So, I am helping out today this interview because Jung's uh, learning English, um, and I'm good at English. uh, My Vietnamese (laughs) Um, is also not too bad, so I'm able to um, help translate a little bit.
1: Jung and Danny's stories have some similarities. They're both from Western Sydney. They're really into politics and they're both voting for the first time this election. But their paths to this moment were very different. Growing up in Vietnam, Chung says she wasn't very politically engaged. When you were living in Vietnam, always reading, learning about the politics? No, no,
3: no. Vietnam, I, I, I don't care about uh, politics in Vietnam.
1: Vietnam is a one-party socialist republic and voting isn't compulsory there. But when she came to Australia to be with her husband here, she was struck by just how different the political climate is here.
3: Yeah, so it's a, Australia's a democracy, not like in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, uh, Australia and uh, they had a uh, free speak free every you can do. Yeah, speak uh, and you can talk, you can uh, Freedom of
1: expression. Yeah. How did that feel coming from Vietnam to here with that, such a big difference? You know, did you, how did that make you feel coming to a democratic country? You
3: know, my country, if you don't have the money, if you're sick, you can die. East Australia, you don't have the money. The, the government, they have give. give. Yeah, so the
2: government won't leave you for dead and they will look after you here.
3: Yeah, but uh, yeah, you don't have money, you can uh, still uh, leave.
1: Now she's big into politics. She watched the leaders' debates during the campaign and she gets the news wherever she can.
3: I, I read the, the newspaper yeah. uh, and I hear the radio because I like uh, politics. Mm. Yeah, and I can uh, know, I know uh, everything a little (laughs) bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So where do you go to get that information?
3: Uh, I I hear the uh, SBS Vietnamese and uh, I read the Bible, uh, your... your,
1: Guardian? Your Guardian,
3: (laughs) And uh, yes. Sky
1: News. You're not just saying that because i Seven News,
3: uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something because I don't have free time, yeah. And I can read a little bit, uh, three, five minutes uh, a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read uh, quickly.
1: A turning point for her was when she met Vietnamese-Australian lawyer Tu Lee at a community event to actually introduced us to Chung for this interview. Yeah,
3: I I, 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 lo- I know the, uh, a, a little big library. I know the little big library. I know everything a little bit. Yeah, but uh, after I met Tu Lee you know, I know the library from Tu I, I love her and uh, she's very uh, nice.
1: Lee made headlines this year when she ran for pre-selection in the Western Sydney seat of Fowler, but was sidelined in favour of high-profile Labor candidate Christina Keneally in a move that's been criticised as a huge failure on diversity. Even though Chung is voting in a different electorate, the electorate of Blacksland, this was disappointing for her.
3: Community Vietnamese, uh, and they very disappointed. For when Thule now have uh, a repression. Yeah.
1: Were you personally disappointed? How did you feel about that decision?
3: Yeah, I'm very upset. I'm very uh, upset because uh, I want to uh, have uh, one Vietnamese woman young and uh, clever.
1: But Chung is still voting for Labour, mostly because of their promise to make childcare cheaper.
3: Child care is very expensive, and if I go to working, work, I earn money, not enough for pay uh, the, the, the child care for kids.
1: For Danny, her entry into politics started with something that happened when she was just in primary school. In 2013, there was a really big typhoon that hit my
0: mum's hometown in the Philippines and we lost quite a few relatives in that. And I just remember having absolutely no idea what was happening because I remember my mum being quite upset at the time and what had happened on our end was that... We had all this family in the Philippines who suddenly we didn't hear from for almost two weeks.
1: More than 6,000 people died in Typhoon Haiyan. The overall damage in the Philippines was estimated at $5.8 billion.
0: And that was really, really scary. But I think being the age that I was, I really didn't understand the gravity of what was actually happening.
1: But it wasn't until Danny was in high school and around 13 or 14 years old that she connected this disaster to climate change.
0: So it wasn't until later mm. when I actually learned more about climate change, learnt more about the issues and really spoke to my mum about it that I was really able to understand just how significant like an event it was and really be able to connect the dots between climate change and foreign aid and how people of colour really are deeply impacted by it.
1: This was a big time of growth for Danny. She was going to high school in the inner west of Sydney and she started to feel the divide between her conservative community at home and a progressive community at school.
0: I'd grown up in a really, really Catholic community. I remember... I would go to school and a lot of the year 11s and 12s, so a lot of the senior students were actually volunteering for the Yes campaign. They were volunteering with Jenny Leong, who was the MP for Newtown, where my school was at the time. And we were hearing a lot about how this was so important for young people, for it was so important for a lot of queer young people. And then I'd go home and I'd go to church out near Rouse Hill and I would hear the priests and I would hear my community leaders saying that, this is against the Bible, this is against our values, this is against who we stand for as people. And so I was sort of at an intersection between what I do feel is right and what I do really care about, and that's when I realised that advocacy and talking about those issues is really, really important because if I had stayed sort of in that conservative bubble where I'd grown up and never really engaged with that other side, I'd probably think... A really, really differently to what I do now.
1: A few years later, Danny heard about a new movement. This time it was being organized by people like her, kids in high school.
0: This Friday, many thousands of students across the country will go
1: on strike from school.
0: Yeah, so when the school strike for climate movement rolled around, I think I was in year 10 and one of my best friends from school, Jean Hinchliffe, actually founded the Sydney team. and I saw that there was a really big amount of young people who were really passionate about it. We need to give the earth back. So we need our leaders to step up and change. And it was something I was really passionate about as well, so I sort of got involved in organising with that. The first thing I did as a climate strike organiser was I actually spoke at a Sydney climate strike about my family's own history. Um, I was... Fourteen, yeah, it was two days after my birthday, actually, so it was fourteen. How big was the crowd? I think that crowd was like five to ten thousand.
1: What was that like for you, seeing that crowd?
0: I think that first crowd was absolutely terrifying. I remember it was at Town Hall, and it was so it was the side of Sydney Town Hall where there are like the steps that go up, and then you're a few meters above the crowd when you're talking. I remember reading off my phone. And I was shaking so much. I was worried that I'd just, like, drop my phone into the crowd as I was talking. I was absolutely terrified. Um, But at the same time, seeing so, so many people who had come together was also really empowering. And so I felt really, really, like, excited to be there but also terrified I was going to say something stupid, which I think is just natural when you're in front of that many people.
1: Yeah. I mean, how did you feel afterwards? I know when you do a big public speaking event, it's sometimes hard to come Mm. down from the
2: stress of that.
0: Yeah. No, I felt, I think afterwards, I'm pretty sure I just got shower time, got on a bus home and then just went to sleep for like 10 hours. I was just tired.
1: From there, she organised protest after protest after protest. In the background was the 2019 federal election.
0: We had a lot of... Um, mobilisation. So so we were getting kids out of school and also in their spare time to help us campaign on the 2019 federal election to vote in a government who we felt would take better action on climate change. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. So a lot of school strike organisers watched the election together and we were devastated by the outcome of the federal election just because we weren't expecting it at all. And people were crying. That's how Upset people were by it. And then the next morning, we had a meeting and we organised the next national climate strike, which ended up being the biggest environmental mobilisation in Australia's history. Despite
1: their passion for politics, both Chung and Danny say they haven't really been taught much about voting or about politics. The only information that the government has given to Chung about how our election works was during her citizenship test that she took last month where she learned about how many seats were in the upper and lower house, a little bit about the major parties, but not much else. How
3: many seats
1: there were? Is that right? Uh, yeah, up, 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 up about 7, 780. I mean, you might know more than me. <laughs> There's also a lot of misinformation online leading up to the election, especially around Labor's relationship with China. OK, so you're seeing... Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but people posting about Labour being in collaboration with China, mm. and that kind of speaks to Vietnamese voters. Mm. They're worried about yeah. about that. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I don't know. They chose uh, with uh, uh, Labour or Labour. I don't
1: know. You saying you don't know the truth between yes. the different posts? Yes. Danny says her formal education on politics was pretty minimal as well.
0: I think people like a force to have some vague understanding of how Australia's government works, but not to the extent that we should. And I think we see that a lot in in the way that a lot of people think that if you don't vote for a major party, you're wasting your vote. And what that shows to us is that people aren't taught enough about how preferential voting works. And I know that I definitely wasn't taught in school how preferential voting works. I'm really grateful that I went to a really great public school that told us to stay engaged with things that impacted us, but I'm pretty sure the last time you really engage with Australia's parliamentary system is in Year 6, when you get on a bus and go to Canberra and visit, like, Parliament House yeah. and the War Memorial. But other... And Questacon, and
1: importantly. And you
0: do the vertical slide, and I remember the vertical slide more than I remember anything
1: else. And Danny says neither major party is really speaking to young people and the things that they care about.
0: I don't think Australian politics tries to engage young people enough in the sense that politicians are out here trying to talk to young constituents in their parties because I think some politicians don't even talk to their constituents in their um, in their electorates that are adults. But I think young people in Australia have issues that they're really passionate about and we're really fortunate that a lot of young people are passionate about issues in a political way and that we have the tools to mobilize and to talk to one another and so I think a lot of young people vote on those issues rather than voting necessarily for a figure or like an idolised figure in the same way that a lot of politicians in America become idolised. Rather than voting for parties or for figures or for symbols, they're voting on issues that they care about and they take those issues to heart when they go to the polling booth.
1: Next, Guardian reporter Matilda Bosley on the key things first-time voters need to know. So, Matilda, I've been speaking to two first-time voters, Danny and Chung, but you've been speaking to a whole bunch of first-time voters while making this video series that explains some key things about the election called Voting 101. What sorts of things do people want to know?
2: Yeah, so I uh, did a very scientific poll.
1: Matilda Bosley is a reporter at Guardian
2: Australia. Which is I put up a question on my Instagram story and asked what people wanted to know. To how many uh, followers there, Matilda? About 3,000 and uh, we got like 300 responses. So I'd say a 10% response rate. People were really keen to get information. So I think probably the two biggest things that people were confused by was how preferential voting worked and especially how that worked in terms of are you wasting your vote if you vote for a minor party and uh, secondly people just didn't know what these parties stood for they really have a lot of context for exactly what the beliefs were behind the two major parties. Okay,
1: let's talk about the first issue you raised. People are confused about the voting system, specifically preferential voting. What's the confusion there and what did you tell them?
2: Well, the really common thing that people were worried about is that they've had older people in their life tell them that if they vote for a minor party as their number one preference, that they're essentially throwing their vote away or wasting their vote, uh, which is just not true Mm. at all. And it's a really common misconception. So in America or the UK, that actually would hold some weight. But here in Australia, you're not just voting for one candidate you are listing your preference for every single candidate that's on that lower house ballot. So you might put a minor party as number one, maybe they don't get enough votes. So even if you put a super minor party for your number one preference, if that person or that party doesn't get enough votes, those votes will be redistributed and your number two preference will count. Mm. Even if that's another minor party, then that will just get redistributed again and again and again. Basically, they just keep knocking out candidates until you have two candidates left. And... And as long as you filled out your ballot correctly, your vote is always going to be in one of those two piles. You always end up having a say in the final decision. And that's why the preferences for the major parties
1: are really important, right? If you believe that in Labor more than the coalition, but you don't want to vote for either, you just put one before the other in your preferences. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mentioned those final two piles in most electorates, those final two piles are going to be Labor versus either the Nationals or the Liberals, part of the coalition. And so, you know, if there's eight candidates on your docket, you could put the first six as minor parties and then just decide who you want to be seven versus eight with Labor and the coalition. And that still counts for just as much. You are still having that say on who you want to be in government.
1: Mm, It sounds like this was pretty widespread. I've also heard these types of sentiments myself. Does this show that we need a bit more education on how to vote in Australia, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think Australian schools make an effort, but I think a lot of the time that ends up being, you know, one lecture in year 10. By the time you actually get to the polling booth and start voting, a lot of those kind of really nuanced details about Australia's electoral system, which is quite complicated do get lost mm. and uh you know there's people who end up going decades without understanding this it's not just this assumed knowledge that i think a lot of people in the political sphere think it is mm. and then when it comes to new citizens they don't even have that year 10 lecture i mean there are resources on the aec website there's resources in a lot of different languages but we do hear a fair amount that people in migrant communities are confused by this even if they have been here for several elections
1: mm. What about the second issue? Just a general lack of understanding of the parties and what they stand for. What types of things have you been hearing? I mean, we've had reporters go out all around the country and we hear that people don't
2: know who Albanese is. Is that something you've also been hearing? Yeah, I think there is a really huge barrier to entry when it comes to Australian politics. I've spoken to people who are sort of well into their 30s and 40s and didn't sort of really even get that the Nationals and the Liberals were separate parties and, honestly, it's not hard to see how that happens. Unless you're seeking out this information, you aren't just going to have this innate knowledge of what all these parties stand for.
1: I'm wondering if the parties are actually catering to first-time voters, especially young people? I mean, we saw Albanese at the second leaders debate being asked about what policies he had for young people. He mentioned his housing policy, which actually isn't catered to young people, as was pointed out. Are the leaders interested in the vote of young people?
2: Well, I mean, they should be. (laughs) There's a A decent whack of them. But um, yeah, look, I think there's been a lot of effort to connect with young voters. I mean, there's uh, so many politicians on TikTok, you have to assume that they're aware of trying to reach that audience. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily backed up with really in-depth discussions about the policies that young people care about. So I spoke to one expert, Intifa Chowdhury from the Australian National University, and she told me that young people are actually really issue based voters Mm. I think there's this assumption that oh young people are just always going to go to the left but actually they very much can be swayed on the basis of issues they have issues that are deeply deeply important to them and they're going to follow the candidates that follow their values on that but we're just not really talking about that. Mm. Another big issue is that many young people just don't feel represented enough in the current parliament. It's a bit stuffy at the moment, it's just not diverse enough. And we have some stats to back this up. So a Plan International survey that was conducted by YouGov of more than a thousand young women and gender diverse people. And what they found was about 82% said that there should be diversity targets, they wanting proactive action to make this happen. and. of young women believe that our parliament should be more diverse, should actually reflect what Australia's society looks like.
1: Mm. Okay, so I'll let you go back to filming Voting 101 for this afternoon.
2: Yeah, gotta prepare just in case there's a hung parliament.
1: Now you're voting next weekend. Yes. How are you feeling about that? I'm very
3: (laughs) excited. I
0: think I'm just really grateful that I do get to vote, that I do get to have some kind of a say in what's happening. I think if we had more First Nations leaders in parliament, if we had more young women, if we had more immigrants and people of colour, we'd have a much more powerful parliament. And even further to that, if we had more women with children and teachers and nurses and immigrants and people who had gone through maybe TAFE rather than university in parliament we would have a much more powerful parliament so I really really hope that in future our parliament is a lot more diverse and therefore cares about the interests of a lot more Australians and I hope that when people go to vote they keep the, they think of the most vulnerable people in their lives and vote with them in mind.
1: Thanks to Plan International for their help with this episode. Danny is a Plan International youth activist and you can read more about her and the other youth activists at plan.org.au. You can also find all of Matilda's Voting 101 series plus some Guardian reporting on first-time voters at theguardian.com. We've put a link to all of the above on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, Caitlin Cassidy and Camilla Hannan, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Matignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura murphy Okay, catch you tomorrow.